0: Welcome to another episode of our Livre ouvert with me, Avanti Victoire. Fifty-five years ago, on the 20th of August 1968, in the dead of the night, the horrors of Operation Danube unfolded on the peoples of Czechoslovakia. This podcast is dedicated to all those who lost their lives in the 1968 Soviet-led Warsaw Pact invasion of Czechoslovakia. The historian Prokop Tomek puts that figure at 137, but the hopes and dreams of millions were crushed, and democracy died a slow death in Czechoslovakia until the Berlin Wall came crashing down in 1989. The peoples of Czechoslovakia had dared to stray from the Soviet Union's narrow definition of socialism. Under the leadership of Aleksandr Dubček, the Communist Party in Czechoslovakia took a giant leap and started reforms that would attract the wrath of hardliners, both at home and in Moscow. But what were these reforms? Dubček and his entourage wanted to reform the party from within. This involved decentralization, democratization, easing travel restrictions, freedom of speech to some extent, and freedom of press as well. There was a great desire to give socialism a human face. Dubček captured the imagination of hungry democratic minds and even ended up on the cover of Time magazine. It said, self-determination for Czechoslovakia. This period was marked with hope and stifled populations finally felt a fresh breath of air. The Prague Spring was born. But Alexander Dubček was a democrat trapped in a communist world. The million-dollar question was, could communism truly reform itself? I am digressing here only for a bit because I'd like to point out that Czechoslovakia has a long history and culture of reformation. Much before Luther, Calvin and Zwingli, it was Jan Hus who expressed his doubts along the lines of John Wycliffe. Hus took a rather dim view of indulgences and he was courageous enough to express his views. All Hus wanted was to debate, whether the Catholic Church would not have any of it. This was, of course, in the 15th century, and the Catholic Church was a totalitarian force back then, but now the Czechoslovaks were against a new totalitarian force. Predictably, Moscow was unhappy about the Prague Spring. That had now eased travel restrictions and even allowed the press to criticise the leaders. The hardliners wouldn't have any of it. On the 20th of August 1968, 26 divisions, including troops from... The Polish People's Republic, the People's Republic of Bulgaria, the Hungarian People's Republic and the German Democratic Republic, under the leadership of the Soviet Union, invaded Czechoslovakia to smash the human face of socialism. The infamous Warsaw Pact might have been acting at the behest of their masters, but Romania and Albania stayed out for good measure. The invasion brought the reforms of Czechoslovakia to a grinding halt. By invading a country that belonged to their sphere of influence, the Soviets exposed their totalitarian ideology. Sure, there was widespread condemnation. The Finnish president, Urho Kekkonen, becomes the first to denounce the invasion. The French and the Italian communists follow suit. Even the People's Republic of China speaks out against the invasion. The West is outraged, and yet... Czechoslovakia stood alone. For the second time in their history, Czechoslovakia must fight this fight alone. This is the most underrated story of a small population that stood tall and fought the good fight with its common yet exceptional citizens. 21st August 1968, the Czechoslovaks wake up to the reality of the invasion. Dubček and his key aides have been whisked off to the Soviets and now are in the hands of the KGB. By the 21st, the Central Committee of the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia, the Parliament, the Ministry of Defence and the General Staff, the publishing houses, the Ministry of Internal Affairs, the Central TV and the Presidential Palace are all in the hands of the invaders. However, the Czech radio that had resisted even the Nazis during the invasion is still holding out, but the troops storm in and kill 17 unarmed civilians. Despite violently taking over the radio, the Soviets remain frustrated because the broadcasting continues from an auxiliary radio station that cannot be traced. One must bear in mind that this was 1968, there was no internet, and television had not achieved the status that it has today. So, with no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook, the Czechoslovakians in those days were left just with radio. And so, the very next day, 12 radio stations go underground and call on their people to resist the invaders. For the next week, common citizens would just walk up to the tanks and try to reason with the invaders, but in vain. Dubček was forced to abandon his reforms. He was sent back to Czechoslovakia, but what followed was a purge. Those who wanted reforms were rapidly replaced. Dubček was forced to resign in April 1969. And Gustav Hussak was now made the new face of Soviet socialism. Democracy was put into a coma. And ironically, this the Soviets called normalization. Hussak presided over 20 years of this normalization. Where socialism morphed into totalitarianism leaving a great number of people deeply suspicious and sceptical of the left even today. As for Dubček, he disappeared into obscurity working as an official in the local forestry ministry in Bratislava, which is now Slovakia. But 68 is a passionate chapter of resistance of the common people in the face of tyranny. Dubček and his reformists had ignited a fire. In 1968, a few months before the invasion, a pro-reform manifesto was penned by Ludwig Vaculik. It was titled The 2000 Words and it was signed by prominent people including intellectuals and writers. The 2000 Words became the beating heart of the Prague Spring. But the invasion robbed Czechoslovakia of their hopes and dreams. The normalization might have succeeded in killing the reforms, but it could not curb the revolutionary spirit that was now thriving in what came to be known as Prague's underground culture, which defied the communist regime. And the dissidents rallied behind an unassuming band called the Plastic People of the Universe. The band was routinely persecuted by the communists and was forced underground from 1974 to 1989. It was this sort of persecution that in part inspired Carta sedum," famously known as Charter 77 and it became their manifesto of human rights. 242 signatories, including Jirgi Dinsbir, Alena Hinkova, Věra Robálova, Petr Uhl, Zdeněk Minaj, Václav Benda, Jirgi Nemec and many others, including one, Václav Havel, who would go on to become the president of Czechoslovakia. By 89, the Soviet mask of prosperity and security fell. And even before the wall was brought down in Berlin, Poland, Hungary and Bulgaria had expressed regret for their role in 1968. During the Velvet Revolution of 1989, Dubček made a brief appearance in a balcony in Wenceslav Square and made an emotional speech. He remained loyal to the left until he died in 1992. But history, at least the way the vast majority of the world learns it, tends to glorify violence and death. We tend to underrate the power of the powerless. Vaclav Havel's poignant essay, Mutz bezmutznig, meaning the power of the powerless, serves as a reminder of that. I should like to end with an anecdote of a short taxi ride I took in Germany. The chatty taxi driver asked me where I was from. I politely said I was French of Indian origin, but I had been living in Prague for years now. Turned out the taxi driver was from Croatia, and he quipped, Prague, I like those people. They are fighters. I paused and briefly thought no one had ever used those words to describe people from Czechoslovakia. But then again, the pen is mightier than the sword. So I thanked the taxi driver for reminding me what I had almost forgotten. For the text version of this and detailed links, please visit my Substack at alivreouvert.substack.com. Thank you for checking in.